worship the Lord as Brother Aaron gets ready to come. Amen. There's 10,000 reasons. Amen. That we can think of this morning, and there's so many more. Amen. Amen. Key of F. Hallelujah. Let's start with that first verse. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever this morning it says sing like never before you know we can truly do that because we can sing in a way that others never could sing we have an open book the seals have been opened the word has been restored a way has been made we can sing like never before amen like all the other ages longed to sing we can sing may we take advantage of that today May we give him our all as, as we worship together. Can we pray before we read the word? Our gracious heavenly father, Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, in, in need of you. Lord, recognizing our humanity, Lord, and our inability. Lord, and asking that you would come now and that you would take control, Father. Lord, that you would speak words of life, Lord, that you would bring an encouragement to your people today, Lord. Lord, to take another step, Lord, to fight another day, Lord. Lord, recognizing, Lord God, that you've got it all planned out. 
Lord, that you have prepared the way and that, Father, you have gone before us. Lord, and therefore we can go in confidence. We can go in faith, Lord. Lord, knowing, Lord, that our footsteps are ordered, Lord. Lord, knowing, Lord God, that that we won't fall by the wayside. But, Father, you didn't bring us out to leave us in the wilderness. But, Lord, you brought us out to see us all the way through. Lord, we're, we're convinced of that today, Lord. We're trusting in that. Lord, I'm asking in this service, Father, Lord, that you would just come and lift up our faith once again. Lord, to grab a hold of all the promises that you have for us in this day, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of God today? Amen. If you, if you have your Bibles, we're going to read just in three different places, just three individual scriptures. We're going to start with Exodus 23 and 20. And then we'll look in Matthew 25 and also in 1 Corinthians 2. And these scriptures are kind of just going to set the theme for what we're going to speak about today. And then hopefully we can find some encouragement, you know, because many times in life, many times in life we, we, we get so worried and, and we're so anxious over how things are going to go, just to put it simply. How, how is this going to work out? Where, where is this road going to take me? What, what, what's going to happen? And yet all along... Our Lord Jesus has it all prepared. And that's just what I want to focus on today is I speak to you on a prepared way to a prepared place. A prepared way to a prepared place. Exodus 23 and 20 says, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Matthew 25 and 34, this is Jesus speaking here. And he says, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then finally, in first Corinthians two and nine, it would say, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Amen. I pray that the Lord will add his blessing as you take your seats. Amen. Preparations. Preparations. You know, I believe it's good for us to be prepared. Um, I, I believe that many of us spend a lot of time uh, doing our best to prepare for, for the future here on earth. And, and, there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. But one thing that I believe we need to, to, to put more focus on is, is spend a little bit more time preparing for the future that is to come. Brother Branham said in, in, in the Smyrnian church age, he says, all too little time is spent on laboring for the eternal rewards of God. And that being said, like I said just a second ago, I do think it's prudent and I think it's smart that, that, that we plan for our futures here on earth. We, we, we should have, have goals that we set out in front of us. We, we should be trying to, to, to better ourselves and, and we, we should do these things and, and, and to constantly try to improve and not just go through life by, by the seat of our pants, maybe as the saying would be. It's good for us to have plans, but the problem that we run into is that no matter how well we plan and no matter how prepared that we think we are, we don't know the future. That's a problem I've been running into my whole life. 
I, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and I, I don't know the future. And so that's why I think it's so important this morning that we know the one who holds the future in his hands. Amen. It's important that we know him because the things that are ahead of us tomorrow and the next day and the next week, we cannot see. But the things that we cannot see, he can and he has already prepared the way for you for whatever it is you're going to face. Amen. Because God knows how to get us to where we need to be. And there's a key word there and the word there is need. He knows how to get us where we need to be. We've spoke about that before. There's a major difference between our needs and and our wants. There's things that we want and there's things we want to do and there's places we want to be. But he never said he would provide for our wants. He said he would provide all of our needs. And he knows exactly how to get you where you need to be. And he knows all the dangers that would lie ahead. And what I'm thankful about that is he doesn't just know that they're ahead, but he said, I am sending an angel before thee to keep thee in the way. Listen, many times in life, we can be overwhelmed by circumstances. Amen. We, we can be overwhelmed by situations, whether it be in our homes, whether it be in our jobs, whether it be in our health, whether it be in our churches. And I believe that the best thing that we can do in those moments when we're completely overwhelmed is that we can turn to the word of God and find our strength there. Because when you're overwhelmed, there's nothing that you can do about it. There's nothing that I can say to help you. But if we'll turn our attention to the word word of God this morning and begin to take strength from the word of God, that's when we'll find a way through our situation. It's exactly what David did there, there at Ziglag. It's a situation he finds himself in in 1 Samuel when the Amalekites had come in and they had smitten Ziglag. And Ziklag had been burned with fire and, and the men and the women had been captured and, and all the soldiers, the, the men's wives had, had been taken away and it was a great time of mourning. And they were mourning and they were weeping. And it said they had mourned until they had no strength left. And in that moment, in the midst of that, the people began to talk about stoning David. Isn't that exactly how it is that when you feel like it can't get any worse? When you feel like all hell is against you, when the devil feels like he's got you in a place where where you're weakened, that's when he comes and pours it on even more. When, When you think it can't get any worse, it does. When you feel like this is as bad as it's gonna get, it gets worse. And in that moment, it says, David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Look, I don't know what situation you're facing right now, but I say, let's encourage ourselves in our Lord God. Let's encourage ourselves in the fact that he's a mighty conqueror. Let's encourage ourselves that he says that he's the healer. Let's encourage ourselves today that the word says you will be there and your offspring with you. Let's encourage ourselves in the word today. I love how Wednesday night, how Brother Joe brought it back and brought us back to the focus that the word is our anchor. The word is our anchor, not how you feel today. That's not your anchor. The word is the anchor and the word is always true and the word never changes. Brother Aaron, there's evil on every hand today and the word is true. Brother Aaron, my world is falling apart and the word is true. Brother Aaron, there's sickness on every hand and the word is true. Brother Aaron, I'm about to fall apart. I'm at my wit's end and the word is true. Let's anchor ourselves right there this morning and recognize it's a prepared word for a prepared people for the moment that you find yourselves in right now. Amen. 
The word is true. And it doesn't matter what the devil has said about you. It doesn't matter where he says you're going to end up. The word has declared that there is a place prepared for you and that the angel of the Lord is going before us to keep us in the way and to ensure that we arrive. Let me give you some assurance this morning. You're going to make it. You're going to be there. You're going to overcome. How do I know? Because there's an angel going before us to make straight the way, to make sure that we get to the place prepared. So not only is the place prepared, but the way is prepared. We've been given a personal escort to make sure that we arrive. Think about that. A personal escort. Do you know who gets personal escorts? Important people. Will you quit talking down to yourself? Will you quit beating yourself up? Will you quit wallowing in in, in complexes of inferiority? You are called to be the bride of Jesus Christ. And he didn't just throw you out there and said, I hope you make it. But no, he sent an angel before you to keep you and to guide you and to lead you and to make sure that you get there. Why? Because he wants you there. Because he loves you. Because he went to prepare it just for you. It's a prepared place and it's a prepared way. We've been given a personal escort. Well, brother Aaron, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can get through all the trials and the tribulations. What about all the traps that are along the way? I have sent an angel before thee to keep thee in the way. What a promise we have right there. That is not even can I. It's not even what about the last time and what about this? There is an angel going before you. There is an angel with you. And if you look over in verse 23, it's not just any angel. He says, it's mine angel. And then Brother Branham says, and the same angel, if Jesus is the same, the same angel, the angel of the covenant was Jesus Christ. Can Jesus fail? And Jesus is the one with the mission to make sure you make it. Is Jesus going to fail? No, you're going to make it. You're going to be there. He has come himself to go before you. He has come himself to lead you and guide you and make sure you make it. Oh, who is it that's here to guide us, brother Aaron? Deuteronomy 31.8. And the Lord, it is he. He it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. Neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Who is it that goes before us? It is the Lord that goes before us. What do I have to fear today? What do I have to be dismayed about today? It is the Lord that is preparing my way. Amen. God doesn't do things haphazardly. He isn't what we would call fly by night. He doesn't have to make adjustments in his planning because of something the devil does that he didn't see coming. Listen, whatever it is you're facing, whatever sickness, whatever trial, it didn't catch God by surprise. He isn't caught off guard by by the situation. Everything has been prepared. You're probably going to be sick of hearing the word prepared by the time I'm done today. But what I want you to understand is that you can lay your anxieties down today. You can take a deep breath and begin to rejoice in the victory that is already yours because your victory has been prepared. Everything has been prepared. 
but you don't understand where I'm at right now in my career and I just don't know everything has been prepared. Everything. Brother Branham says, now the Lord Jesus knows all things. He provides and prepares for everything. Your way is prepared. Your overcoming is prepared. Your victory has been prepared. Look, we can look at this at a broad, uh, in a broad spectrum and, and we wield. He, he prepared a way for mankind after the fall. He, he prepared a way for the church to, cu- to come back in a restoration after it had fallen away down through the dark ages. He has prepared a bride. And we're going to look at all those, but, but I want you to see it personally. He has prepared a way for me. He knew where I was going to be at this morning. He knew the road that I was going to be on. He knew what I would need. He knew what I would face. And he has prepared the way for me. Listen, I'm so thankful he prepared the way for you. But this morning, I need to know that he prepared the way for me. I'm thankful that he saved others. But this morning, I need to know that he saved me. I'm thankful he's healed others. But this morning, I'm thankful that he's healed me. I'm thankful that he's brought back other prodigals. But today, he's going to bring back my children. He's going to do it for me. He has prepared my way. He has cleared my deed. He has wiped away my sins. He has filled me with the Holy Ghost. He has called me to be a part of the bride. He has called me to rapture. Let it sink down today that it has been done for me. I can have confidence today. Once again, knowing that we're not just rolling along. And God's up there with a, I guess we'll see. Kind of attitude. it's tough down there brother Joe I don't know if they're going to make it I guess we'll see no we're not going we're not going like that I hope this works out I hope somebody makes it I spent a lot of time preparing the place I've been preparing a place he didn't prepare a place in a hope that you would make it He prepared a place and he prepared a way and he said, I know they're going to make it because I'm going to bring them. I'm going to grab them. I'm going to pull them out of sin. I'm going to pull them out of the world. I'm going to pull them out of this flesh. I'm going to fill them with my spirit. I know they're going to make it because I have prepared the way. He is preparing the way. We can be certain that God has a plan. He has always had a plan and his plan has never been defeated. Listen, you know, sometimes you hear when they talk about generals or things down through history and they'll say he was always one step ahead. Look, God isn't just a step ahead of the devil. He's eternities ahead of the devil. He is eternities ahead. Back in the heavens, the devil began to lift himself up and began to exalt himself and began to plan on being worshiped. On taking the place of God. And he did all this with a plan to rebel against God. And we know how that worked out for him. Listen. In all the plans the devil tells you he has for your life. Ask him how his plans have worked out in the past. It didn't work out well for him. He's cast out of heaven. 
and he's cast down. And he begins looking for a way back in. Because the devil's one of these power trip guys. He's always wanting a position. He's always wanting some power and authority. So he starts looking for a way back into a position. And he comes up with a plan. And there in the garden, he deceives Eve and he causes the fall. And he injects himself into the human race. Now, I want just for a minute, I want us to think of the shift that took place. And no matter how hard we try, I don't believe we could comprehend how quickly everything changed. Because we're so used to living in a world full of evil, it's hard for us to even imagine what a world like Eden would have been like. It's even beyond, we say we can only imagine, and yet it's beyond our imagination. Because you've never known a day without some type of fear or anxiety or worry. So you don't even know what it would be like to live without that pressure upon you. But one day it was perfection, love, goodness, eternity, sublime, perfect peace. Our vocabulary probably completely fails to describe it. Man had never felt a worry. Man had never felt a fear. And like I say, I don't believe we, we even have an understanding of what I'm saying. But in an instant, it went from that to death and dying. Perversion, hatred, enmity, strife, fear, sin, and death. Think, what a seismic shift. The world went to bed one day in this condition and woke up in that condition. Look at how quickly the enemy comes in and begins to use fear. In the, in the very same chapter, he says, Adam, Adam, where art thou? And he says, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. Think about how that made him feel. He probably didn't even know how to deal with that emotion, that, that fear that suddenly crept in. He had never experienced it. And instantly in that moment, as Satan sees him hide, he recognizes in that moment a weapon that he would use against man down through time. Fear. Fear doesn't make them run towards God. Fear makes them hide from God. Fear makes them cover up sin. Fear makes them feel like they're not going to make it. Fear makes them feel like a failure. And he recognizes it and he diagnoses it all in an instant. And it becomes one of the greatest weapons he'll ever use. Think about it. No matter what comes, sickness, fear. They talk about the rapture, fear. People are going to hell, fear. No matter what thing you hear, the devil comes in and tries to attach fear to it. So much so that he'll take a good thing and attach fear to it. You're afraid of missing out. There, there's fear that, well, what if I don't have as good a time as they do? And what if I stay home and they go and they have a good time or I go? What if, and that, that, fear, 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 fear. And he's used it every day since then. And now the very nature. And I'm trying to labor on this because sometimes we just think of. Well, man failed, they disobeyed, and, and now we had to be brought back. But it was deeper than that. The very nature of man going forward was altered forever. And schematically, I hate giving the devil credit, but schematically it was the perfect plan. It was absolutely perfect because to some degree it was irreversible. Do you still deal with beast nature today? Are you saved? But you still deal and battle beast nature. 
And so Satan's plan schematically was perfect. He thought, I've done something. It's altered forever. Now they must live under the penalty of death. And the reason they must is because that's the very law of God. So he's actually using the law of God to hold it over mankind. They will live underneath the penalty of death because God's law requires it. Beast nature is now forever a part of the flesh of humanity. It's an unremovable stain. For once born unto a woman through the desire of flesh, their nature is forever marred. What a plan. And it looks like Satan is one step ahead. It looks like he's gotten one up on God. But God had made preparation. God had already made preparation down through the eternities. God had already had a way back prepared for in the eternities before the world ever was. Before stardust ever existed, before you ever came in flesh, before Lucifer himself was ever created, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. You talk about eternities ahead. You talk about preparing ahead. You don't think he knows what you're going to face tomorrow and what you're going to face next week and next month. He looked down through time and before he ever created the world, he was the lamb slain. He was already preparing a way back. He laid it all out and he knew and he prepared. You talk about thorough. And I'm trying to get that to you today. He's a thorough God. He cares about you. He knows about you. He knows about the situation you're facing right now. And he prepares. And he points to the preparation so that people won't miss it. And just because of the I am the way I am, sometimes I feel like he's kind of taunting the devil because I think that's what I would do. I'm pretty sure he's a better person than me. But I love the fact he's always pointing to it like, don't don't you see what's coming? Don't you see? Oh, you think you've got one up, but don't you see? You dumb old devil, don't you see what I'm doing? And right there in Genesis, right there in the garden, I can see Satan sitting over there laughing and mocking as he sends Adam and Eve out. And they're walking out and he's laughing and he thinks he's witnessing God's greatest defeat. He thinks he's witnessing humanity's greatest defeat and that bloody lambskin slapping against their leg. And he's sitting there and he begins to mock and he begins to make fun. And he says, in your own Eden, in your own Eden, they couldn't keep your word in perfection. I caused them to fall. I brought sin and death and perversion in your own Eden. God just looks over at him and smiles, knowing the plan. And he says, that's okay. Because in your own Eden, in your own Eden one day, I prepared a people that won't fall. And you can make it bad. You can make it evil. You can make it awful. But they'll stand because I prepared a way in your own Eden. They're going to overcome in your own Eden. Hallelujah. I'm eternities ahead of you. I'm thousands of years ahead of you. I prepared a people. I prepared a way in your own Eden. Hallelujah. And he's always pointing to the preparation. And this scripture points to it. And this person types it out. And Abel slays a lamb. And God provides a ram for Abraham. 
And Joseph is rejected by his brothers. Moses is a type of Christ. Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. And it's just pointing to it. Preparation. Preparation. And it's all points. And it points. And they're reading. And it points. Oh, he's coming. Oh, and then this one. And this one. Until finally. Behold. Finally, it's no longer pointing to it. But finally, he steps into it manifested in flesh. And he walks out. And it's no longer a type or a shadow. But John cries out, behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I took these different quotes as Brother Branham would just build up to it. He says, then I could see all that great spaceless eternity come forming down like a funnel to four little letters. L-O-V-E. He loved his children so much till he couldn't turn them away. Then I hear him say, stop. I'll put enmity between thy seed and the serpent seed. Promising a redeemer. God making preparations to redeem. He says, then I hear something. What is it? God's prepared lamb from the foundation of the world. Going yonder to die for sinners like you and me. God making ready a preparation that would cleanse the heart of sinful men and redeem him back to himself. God preparing, getting ready. He says, when was the lamb slain? 2,000 years ago? Maybe 100,000 years ago. Before the foundation of the world was ever formed, Jesus Christ died for our sins. Oh, but how I get religious. Before there was a world, Jesus Christ died to save it. Preparation. Eternities ahead of the enemy. Thorough. God made a way before man knew that he needed a way. God made a way before the devil even came up with his plan. And the lamb was slain and the debt was paid. The blood was shed. Now, in this moment, before I go any further, I want to make it very clear that we never look at Calvary in a way of an insufficient work. It was very sufficient. Jesus said it is finished. And I thank God for Calvary every single day. Thank you for what you did at Calvary, Lord. Thank you for, for paying the price. Because without Calvary, we would still be subject to the curse. But follow me for a second. Without Calvary, you would still be subject to the curse. But if you stopped at Calvary, you're still subject to the curse. If that's as far as you've went, then sin nature still controls you. Because the blood paid the price for sin's past. It paid the price for sin's present. And it, and it paid the price for sin's future. But it's the life of the blood... That gives you power to live above sin. So you can't just stop there at Calvary. See, see the part of the curse that Satan thought was perfect. The, the part that Satan thought was irreversible. Was the fact that the nature of man was forever subject to sin nature. Regardless of his desire to do right. He said he's forever subject. He can kill all the lambs he wants to kill. It doesn't matter. Sure, maybe he's forgiven, maybe it's covered, but that sin nature still rules him every single day. Look at him for 4,000 years, sacrifice a lamb, go back out, sin the next day. 
Sacrifice a lamb. Go back out. Sacrifice this. Go back out. Sin nature is forever part of his flesh. In other words, the barb of the curse, the thing that held it was sin nature. That was the barb of it all. So even though forgiven and even though though covered, what about the sin nature? What about the nature of the beast that was now a part of my flesh forever? Or should I say it like this? What about the way I was born? Come on, somebody. There's a plan for that too. What about the way you was born? What about your first birth? Yes, it caused you to be subject to sin nature. It caused you to struggle and it caused you to go through. But preparations was made for that birth too. Calvary was about more than forgiveness. Calvary was actually a preparation for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Calvary was a preparation that the Spirit of God could come back and indwell you and I. Brother Branham says, before there was a world, you were in God's thoughts to give you the Holy Ghost. Because he knew that you'd be wanting it. And he chose you himself because you desired it. He chose you in Christ before you or Jesus, any of you, was on the earth. And he sent Jesus to die to prepare the way to send the Holy Ghost to bring you to himself. Listen, before man fell, before the devil had a plan, before you ever sinned, before you ever wanted saving, before you ever had a thought of coming back, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world to reverse the curse, to turn it around. It's not just forgiveness, but now you can say, Lord, I want to be filled with your spirit. You can be repented and baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And now once again, once again, man rules over flesh. Man rules over the earth. Man is in charge once again. And the curse is broken. The curse is broken. Listen, these bodies were in the earth. These bodies were in the earth and God laid claim to the earth. He has a right to these bodies. Satan has no right to it. And once you're born again and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you now once again control the earth. You once again subdue the earth. You once again say, no, sir, there's somebody else in charge. Do I war against it? Do I battle against it? Absolutely. But there's a new birth. There's a new nature. And it's been prepared for and it raises up on me. And it says, I will take this earth subject. I will take control. The curse is broken because of the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your life. The blood washed us and the blood cleansed us as a preparation for the Holy Ghost to come into us and give us a new birth. To wash away the stain of the old birth. Let me put it to you like this. The plan was Pentecost all along. The plan was Pentecost all along. Listen. Malachi 4 didn't come, and forgive me for saying this, because I already established what I feel about Calvary. But Malachi 4 didn't come to turn us back to Calvary. There's a lot of wonderful people that believe Calvary just as well as you do. That hold to it just as strongly as you do. And are forgiven just like you are. 
But he came to turn us back to the original plan. Back to Pentecost. Where you're filled with a new birth. And that's what breaks the curse. That's what gives you the power over sin nature. Not just forgiven. Not just washed. But now a power to overcome day by day by day. I'm sure when they come out of that upper room. He thought I can't wait for them to fall today. And they didn't. And I can't wait for them to fall tomorrow. And they didn't. When's Peter going to lose his temper again? And he didn't. When's this one going to get mad at this one again? And when they're going to do this? And when's Peter going to curse again? And he didn't. Because it wasn't the same Peter walking around under sin's curse anymore. There was somebody new living on the inside. Sin's nature was broken. Sin's curse was broken. There was a prepared way. And in a prepared room, at a prepared moment, Peter met the prepared plan. And it walked out in flesh. The plan is once again being put in the flesh of men and women in this day. He's waiting. When are they going to fall? When are they going to give up? And they don't. When are they going to quit? And they don't. I've been telling them they're going to quit. And I've been telling them. And I've been telling them. And we don't. And we don't. And we don't. Because it's not us anymore. It's the new birth. The life of Jesus Christ on the inside of us. Hallelujah. That's the plan. That's the plan for you this morning. It's the plan for all God's children this morning. You don't have to continue marching around beat down. Overcome by lust of the flesh. Constantly fall into the same old things. Overcome by the desires of the world. To where you fight and you fight. And you ask forgiveness and you try and you fall again. Listen, I fought that fight. And I'd rather you be fighting that fight than not fighting at all. So I'm not trying to de-Christianize you. I'm just telling you, there's another plan for you. There's something else that's been prepared for you. To where you can rise above the things of this earth. You can rise above the flesh. You've been struggling and you've been stumbling and you've been questioning. And doubts begin to come in and worry is taking over. I'm telling you, he prepared a way for you. I'm telling you, he prepared a moment for you. He prepared this service for you. He prepared the Holy Ghost for you. He prepared deliverance for you. He prepared victory for you. To where you don't have to continue in that same cycle. To where just like Peter did, you can walk in one day, a man who loved Jesus very much, but fell over and over and over again and walk out different the next day. You can walk out different because you've met the pillar of fire for yourself and you become filled with the Spirit. You can have the same experience here today because God has prepared the way for you. He cares about you. And he has prepared things for you this morning. That's what I'm trying to get to you right now. That it's about your journey. It's about the road that you're going to have to walk in life. Yes, it's about the church. Yes, it's about all of humanity. And yes, it's about redemption. But don't ever think that he's not concerned about your day today. Don't ever think he don't see you on the pillow crying at night. Don't think he don't see the anxieties you've been suffering in your bedroom alone at night. Don't think that he's not there with a plan prepared for you. Because he cares about you this morning. He's involved in the details of your life. And the battles that you face. And the trials you face. And the sickness that you face. And he didn't just make a general preparation and plans for humanity. 
but he has made plans for you. He goes before you. Brother Aaron, this is simple. That's right. And I love it. It thrilled my heart as I looked at this this week and recognized I'm thankful he deals with the bride. I'm thankful he is prepared for evening like tabernacle. But I thank God that he has made preparations for me. He's taken care of me and he's going before me. He's working things out for my good. Hear that again. He's working things out right now for your good. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And I asked you this, will his works not agree with his thoughts? His thoughts are to give you an expected end. His thoughts are of good. Will his works towards you not be of good? Will it not bring forth what his very thoughts are? Look, sometimes we're unsure of our own mind. Some sure, sometimes we're unsure of our own selves and unsure of what we should do. And we're uncertain and this and that. But God's never uncertain. God's never called in a place to, to where he is unprepared. And not only is he already prepared uh, for, for your situation, but he's already prepared a way to turn it all around for your good and to bring it to an expected end. I love what Aunt Jeannie said to me on the phone the other day. She said, you know, I've never completely understood Romans eight twenty eight. She said, but I'm expecting to see it manifested in my life to where he's going to work all things for the good of them that love the Lord. And that's what he's doing because he's prepared a way. He knew Abraham would need a ram and it was prepared. He knew the children of Israel would get hungry and they would need manna and it was prepared. He knew they would need water and so the rock was prepared to follow them. And he knew you would need healing and the stripes have already been prepared. The stripes have already been taken. Listen, in your situation, he's 2,000 and something years ahead of the devil. Oh, I done made them sick. God already prepared. God already took the stripes. God already took a beating. He's concerned with every part of your being. He's concerned with your body. He's concerned with your spirit. And he's concerned with your soul. And he provides for each and every part of it. He's concerned with your family. He's concerned with your finances. He's concerned with your peace. He's concerned with your joy. He's concerned with your mind, body, and your soul, and your spirit, all those things. Well, Brother Aaron, those things are, are, are just minors. Healing is just a minor. Okay, look, I understand, of course, that the, the salvation of the soul is, is a greater emphasis. There's a greater emphasis put on the soul than on our flesh. But as I've already said, the earth was God's before the curse ever came. And since these bodies laid in the earth and he has a claim on them, he cares enough that divine healing is in the atonement. It's part of the atonement. The blood that was shed for your sin and for your soul was shed for your body. So it's part of the atonement. Sure, salvation of the soul is greater than that of the body. Absolutely. But my Lord took an awful beating so I could be healed. They took a whip that latched into his flesh and ripped the flesh off of his body and off of his ribs. And you want to tell me it's minor? 
As long as I can look in the word where he took that beating and it says, by my stripes, you are healed, then I'll preach divine healing. I won't back off of it. You can call it minor all you want. But my Lord took a beating. He took stripes. And in the atonement is my healing. So at evening like tabernacle, we'll preach divine healing. Because he died for it. He took it. It's part of it. It's not minor to me. You wait till you are sick and see how minor it is. It's major. He took stripes for it. He wrote scriptures about it. He's prepared the way for your salvation and he's prepared the way for your healing. Brother Branham says how happy we should be this morning. Every person in here getting ready for your healing. Sure, how am I going to do it? I don't know, but God prepared it for me, and so I'm coming to get it. That's all. I'm going to be just exactly what he said. I'm going to receive it, see, for it's God's provided way of doing it. He made the preparation. He said, oh, God, he sent his word, and that's what I'm trying to give you, his word, his promise. He prepared at Calvary. He prepared the sacrifice for your healing this morning. He's got it here and he watches over it and you're getting it in your heart and the Holy Ghost is brooding over it. It'll take life and produce just exactly what God said it would produce. Every word will produce exactly just what it promised because God has provided it. I believe it'll produce exactly what it promised. If he said by my stripes you're healed then I believe it'll produce healing. If he said, I'm the Lord God that heals all your diseases, I believe it'll produce health. If he said, your children will be there, I believe he'll produce prodigals coming back. If he said, I can have the Holy Ghost, I believe the word will produce it. And so why shouldn't we preach it? Why shouldn't we stand on it? Why shouldn't we believe for it if he prepared it for us this morning? Why am I going to turn my nose up at something he has prepared for me? God made a way for you to be healed. And it was prepared there at Calvary, already purchased at Calvary. And now it's up to us to believe it and to reach out in faith and grab a hold to it this morning. To reach out in faith and and to make contact with that promise. Grab a hold to it and begin to rejoice in it as as if it's already done. By whose stripes you were healed. It's already prepared for. It's already done. Listen, I believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm happy and proud and glad to be a part of people that still believe it exactly that same way. I'm happy and proud to be at a place that still preaches it that exact same way. Listen, so when the enemy comes in and sickness strikes, there's no uncertain sound here. Well, do we go up for prayer? Are we allowed to? I know the word says Brother Brown did it, but I heard the days of miracles has passed. And I don't know. Listen, there's no uncertain sound that even like tabernacle. You come after one of ours, we're going to war. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I say, let's go to war. There's no uncertain sound here. God will fill my children with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He took one of our prodigals out. I'm going to war. I have a promise. There's no uncertain sound, but it yells out, prepare for battle. Prepare for battle. He's the same. Lay hands on the sick. He's the same. He's a healer. He's the same. I say prepare for battle. Let there be no uncertain sound in what we believe. The works that I do shall you do also. By his stripes you're healed. 
No uncertain sound. It's not uncertain around here. When our own are attacked, we prepare for war. When God's children are attacked, we prepare for war. The word says lay hands on the sick, so do it. Don't wonder about it. Prepare for war. It's not an uncertain sound. Can you imagine the confusion? And I don't direct this at anybody. This is just hypothetical. But can you imagine the confusion in a congregation where those things are maybe disregarded? When supernatural isn't taught. Or when maybe even it's ridiculed. And then suddenly the thing that you're told we don't need no more is the only hope you got. What kind of confusion? What kind of faith does that bring? Well, but that was for Brother Branham. Well, Brother Branham, I'm sorry, I ain't here. I still need the pillar of fire that vindicated Brother Branham to vindicate the same word that Brother Branham believed. I'm going to put it to you the way I heard Brother Danny say it. We preach out of the same quote book as William Branham preached out of. This is William Branham's quote book. And what he believed is in this word. And if that word is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that pillar of fire is still here. And we can go to battle and lay claim to the same promises that William Branham laid claim to. He would be ashamed of us. He would be ashamed of us preaching these things that the supernatural's past and God don't move like that no more. That's the very thing he went out to fight against. He said he took his little slingshot of faith and went to face that Goliath and he tore it down and here we are letting it creep back in. No, sir, that trumpet won't never sound here as long as I got breath in my body. But I'll preach from the same quote book. I'll preach from the same word. He's the same today. He's a healer today. He's a savior today. He's a deliverer today. He's bringing prodigals home today. It's the season of miracles today. He is the same. That's the message of the hour is that he is the same. Brother Bram says, that's the way it is today. Oh, brother, when I look around and see all these cold, formal, indifferent churches and things like that, having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof, how can a man prepare himself giving an uncertain sound? Scripture says it. it says, for if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for battle? Brother Brown says this morning, the Bible said, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who will know what to do? If the Bible is preached that Jesus has raised from the dead, he is the same yesterday and today forever. And the trumpets that we are hearing sounded today say the days of miracles is past. There is no such thing as divine healing. Who will know how to prepare themselves? What we need today is anointed messengers from God. He is raised from the dead. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the message of the day. Brother Aaron, what, what, what's the message of the hour? Well, according to your prophet, it's that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if somehow in the message you believe, you don't come to that conclusion, you're not following the message of the day. According to your prophet. Let us be found preaching the message of the day. Let us be found believing the message of the day. Let us be found preparing with the message of the day. Standing for it, believing for it, prepared for it. Listen, the cry of my heart this morning is we will see miracles. 
we will see healings. We will see deliverances. We will see prodigals come home. And I say, if we really believe it, we'll start preparing for it. How do you, how about you start by preparing your attitude? When's the last time that you said, well, I'm, you know, not just I'm still believing for and I'm still. No, no. When have you said, oh, no, they're coming back. I know they're coming back. I'm not waiting to kill the fatty calf. I've already killed it. I got it cooking. The party's going to happen. Listen, the same way that he knows we're coming to a place prepared. He was showing faith. He was showing faith in his word by going and preparing the place because he knew his word would bring you there. Use the same faith. Prepare for your prodigal to come home. Prepare for your healing. How do I know the same word that's going to take us there is going to bring that healing into your body? It's going to bring that son home. It's going to bring that husband back and that wife back. Begin preparing to receive what you say you believe. He said, so if God made a promise, put your foot on it and stand there. God said so. I love this, Brother Joe. When you got on this the other night, I'd already had this quote. He says, don't wait for somebody to come by if you're sick. Like some special healer or some special healing service. Some totem pole touch. People look at gifts like totem poles. If I can touch that. I understand you can go right to the Bible where she touched the hem of his garment. I believe in all that. But he is here. People look at gifts of God like a talisman. Or like a little rabbit's foot. As long as I got that rabbit's foot, everything's going to be okay. Hey, why are you waiting on that? Well, I, I know I'm healed because brother, because brother Jesus put it in his word and said, by my stripes, you're healed. That's how you know you're healed. I needed confirmation. Then read it twice. Read it again. He says, God is not a totem pole. God is a God who keeps his word. Just reach up and take the promise and stand on it. God said it's yours for every believer. Don't have to wait for any special thing. God has already prepared it for you. Go over. It's yours. Go over. It's yours. Take the land this morning. Listen, God has prepared a miracle for you. God has prepared a healing for you. And it's time that we begin to prepare to receive our miracle. Time to prepare for your miracle. Listen, he's made preparations. He's prepared the way. But there's always a part we have to play. There's always something we have to do. And he points to it. What's he point to? He points to the preparations he's made. By my stripes you are healed. If they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Same way in the Old Testament, he pointed to it. He pointed to it. He pointed to it. He pointed to it. And then one day, here he was. Well, in the scripture, it points at your miracle. Healing. Deliverance. And he points to it. 
And he points to Lazarus was raised from the dead. And he points to a prodigal coming home. And he points to an upper room experience. And he points to a Gideon who didn't think he was good enough. And he points to this. And he points to that. And he points to, 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 to the maniac of Gadara being set free. And he points and he points. And then all of a sudden, there's your miracle. And all of a sudden, are you unprepared to receive it? Are you in the tent door like Abraham? Or are you in the back Mad like Sarah. This ain't a man and woman thing. It's just you're one or the other. You're either in the tent door looking for his appearing because you know he's coming to your house. Or you're in the back doing something else griping because you're wondering if you're even part of the promise. You're part of the promise. He sent an angel to lead you and guide you and prepare the way for you so that you would get to the place that is prepared for you. You are part of the promise and you got to begin to recognize when it points to your offspring, that means they're coming. When it points to your healing, that means it's coming. It's on the way and you need to begin to make preparation to receive it. Brother Joe said, you got to have faith and believe. What's that mean, brother? It means put your faith in action. It means grab a hold of it. The Bible says every man's given a measure of faith. That don't mean every man believes. You take the faith and you put it in action. You take the faith and you begin believing. You have to begin to put your faith in action and put it and move forward despite how you're feeling today. Despite what the doctor said yesterday. Despite what the devil said. Despite what depression says. Despite what anxiety says. Listen, God made preparations for Noah to escape. Think about it. Noah, it's going to rain. And you're going to be saved by the building of an ark. Oh, praise the Lord. Where's that ark? Where, where's my healing? Lord, you said you were going to save my children. Well, have you picked up a hammer yet? Have you started nailing anything together yet? Because until you start building the ark, it shows you don't really believe it's going to rain. Why do you think he told them go and prepare for rain? Your lack of preparation shows you don't believe it's coming. You know, I go back to, to, to Zechariah in the temple when the angel came and told him that he was going to have a, have a son. It was going to be John. And it says that the angel says to him, says, your prayers have been answered. And then he tells him how great John's going to be. And then Zechariah starts going, but we're old. Then why were you praying for it? Do we believe the things we're praying for? Are we expecting to receive? Listen, I don't know. Sometimes we talk about a rapture, but there's a lot of people I know don't believe a rapture is coming because they're not preparing themselves for a rapture. They're spending way more time preparing to stay. Yes, Noah, God made preparations for Noah to be saved, but he had to get busy building. He had to get busy preparing. Noah had seen no rain. Nothing had changed. But he went about on a daily basis preparing as if that rain was about to fall from the sky tomorrow. Brother Brown says, you remember there had been no rain on the earth till the day of Noah. God watered up through the springs and so forth. But Noah began to build an ark. What was he doing? Before the paradox ever taken place, Noah made preparations for it. Oh, may I say this afternoon, if we here today will only prepare for our paradox. 
It's going to be mind-blowing. I don't know how it's going to happen. Awesome. That makes it a paradox. Now prepare for it. Abraham began buying diapers. So they began sewing booties. They began building a crib. They began getting ready for a paradox. And oh, but you don't understand. It's been 10 years. 25. I say, oh, brother Aaron, it's been 2,000 years. That's okay. We're going to have a promised son. He's coming back. There's going to be a rapture and I'm going to get ready for it. I'm going to prepare for it. I'm going to make my heart ready and I'm going to live today as if he's coming tomorrow. Buy them diapers like that baby's coming tomorrow. Go ahead and make plans. Go ahead and prepare. Go ahead and get ready. God has prepared. Now you prepare. Kill the fatted calf and start cooking it because your sons and daughters are coming home. Listen, don't look out there into the future and think about what it'll be like if they don't come home. Don't look into the future and envision yourself in the future with the same affliction you have now. That's the opposite of what Brother Branham said. He said, put a well body out there. Well, if if something don't change with me by, by next year this time, I won't be able to. Well, I'm just saying if God don't come and do it now, we're just going to give up. That's not preparing at all. That's preparing for defeat. Next year when our child is here, next year when I'm completely healed and I'm doing this and we're going there, we're going to celebrate my healing by doing this. That's the talk of positivity. Well, this ain't about mind over matter. Oh, I know, but Brother Brown said the right mental attitude to any promise of God will bring it to pass. Some of us need to just start right there. Well, that's pretty basic. Well, you can't go no further if you're still stuck in negativity. There are people who will not rapture simply because they don't believe they can. Because their own confession will weigh them down here. When God's already provided a way for you to go. Just begin preparing to leave. Listen. A lot can happen on a natural vacation. Cars can break down. Kids can get sick. Lots of things. But I've never one time prepared for that. I pack my bags. I put them in my car. I get in it. And I leave. And I'm not going to be sitting there telling you the night before I go to Europe for the first time, whenever that happens. Listen, we're planning to go to Europe next week. But my plane's probably going to get delayed. I'm probably going to miss my flight. I'm pretty sure my kids are going to have a stomach bug. So we're probably not even going. I didn't insure the trip, so I've lost all that money. This is, I might as well just stay. I'm going to go back inside and pout. That's how some of you treat spiritual things. But you don't understand, my son's in this situation, in that situation. The doctor said this and that said that. And you don't put your... Why don't you just go ahead and hand somebody a shovel let them throw the dirt on top of you? Because that's where you're putting yourself anyway. Instead of, he said I'm healed. He said I'm delivered. So I'm healed. I'm delivered. He prepared the way. He's my healer. He's my savior. I'm going to Europe. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to take a trip. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to leave. Hallelujah. I'm going. And there may things come up and things may get in the way. But he's going to prepare the way. He's going to move them aside. He said, I can go. He prepared a place for me. And I'm going. I'm going. Hallelujah. I'm going. Hallelujah. Let me find where we are. I'm going to let Travis tell him. 
Let's celebrate healing before we see it. Let's celebrate our prodigals before we see them. What was Brother Joe talking about the other night? We was talking about Lazarus about to be resurrected. But he told them, you go put your hands on the stone. They weren't the resurrection. They weren't the life. They weren't the miracle. He was the resurrection. He was the miracle worker. He was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. But somebody had to prepare for the resurrection. What good would it have done for Lazarus to be raised from the dead and stuck in a tomb? Guys, I'm going to die in here. Oh, the irony. I wonder how many times our kids are stuck inside a tomb because of our own negative confession. Our healing is stuck somewhere else because of our own negative confession. I wonder why my kids don't want to come back to church. Because the way you talk about it. What do they want to come here for? Or anywhere for that matter. Or let's take it a step further. If there's no power in your life to overcome sin and you're coming to church and living like the world, why do they want what you got if it didn't change you none? They should be thirsty for what you have because they see the change. They see the love. They see everything about not well. It's time for me to move on. Begin to prepare for your miracle. Begin to prepare for your miracle. Begin to push on the stone. Look, you can't, you can't bring that boy back to life. You can't raise that girl from the dead. You can't heal yourself. But you can roll the stone away so when God speaks it, he can come walking right on in. Listen, a lot of times that's how we got to act in services. I understand, I completely get it that sometimes it ain't our service. Sometimes they're preaching on something that is not, it may be about deliverance from, from pornography. It might be deliverance from depression. It might be, and you're, and, that ain't, and you're good. You're the happiest person that's ever lived and you don't have less problems. So you shut down. No, 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 no. That's your service to roll stones. That's your service to get in there and start pushing and shoving and saying, Lord, somebody's coming out of this tomb today. Somebody's coming forth. Somebody's going to have life. And it may not be my day, but I will not hinder. Not only will I not hinder, but I'm pouring gas on the fire. Lord, I'm creating an atmosphere. There needs to be a birth here today. There needs to be a deliverance here today. And I'm going to do my part. I'm going to pour gas on the fire. I'm going to fan the flame. Oh, why are you so excited? What did he say? I just saw somebody get set free. It wasn't even for me, but they got loose. And now I'm happy and I'm rejoicing. They're free. I'm free. We're free. I can be happy because I'm here to fight for you. And I'm here to fight for you. And I'm here to rejoice with you because we're a family. We're a body. I need you. You need me. God is always, this is a quote. God is always preparing the people for the events that's just about to happen.
God prepares the people for the events that's just about to happen. Try to find a way to come through this. We all go through different things, different battles, different tests, and we're all wired differently. Something that don't affect me might affect you. Something that offends me might not offend you. Something I like, you might hate. It don't matter. We're all wired differently. But because of that, certain things affect us differently. So God knows what we need to mold us and make us and prepare us. So what we have to understand, though, is we're not molded and made and we don't go through things to weaken us. We go through things to strengthen us. You go through something terrible as a child. I don't know all the reasons, but I know one thing is, is so you can be strong when someone else goes through that thing. So that when you see somebody else hurting the way you were hurting, your purpose is to go and be a strength to them. And I'm sure there's a hundred other things that God can use in those situations. But it's just an example. We're molded for our strength, not to be made weak. So he molds us to make us stronger. Another way we might would say it would be battle tested. We're not a bunch of rookie troops running into battle. And although we don't see our trials and our tests every day that we go through as practice. Because buddy they seem real and they are. It's in these times that we learn how to fight. And we are prepared for the battles that lay ahead. Look right in the middle of it we don't think of these things as preparation. When I'm in the middle of an awful battle I don't think. This is terrible. I wonder what awful thing is preparing me for. That's not how we look at it. But the truth is, they're building blocks. And it's a potter, and he's molding, and he's making. And it's not always fun. So as as life goes on, many times we can look back, and we can see what God was preparing us for. It even tells us in Judges 3 that, God specifically left enemies behind that would attack Israel to teach them how to fight. Because he didn't want them not knowing how to fight. It specifically says to teach them to war. So you fight this battle and you fight that battle. And then you come to the house of God and you're a little worn down. But during the service you're strengthened. And the supernatural is preached. And the Holy Ghost is preached. And the mechanics and the dynamics is preached. And then you go back out and you fight another week's worth of battles. And you come back to church. And faith is preached. And overcoming is preached. And victory is preached. And you go back out and you fight another week's worth of battles. Don't let it be lost on you. That you are constantly being prepared for the greater battles and the greater victories that are to come. It's a constant preparation. Well, Brother Aaron, why why y'all always preaching so much faith? Why so much on the supernatural? Why so much on the dynamics? So when the bullets start flying and the enemy starts charging and the enemy starts advancing and when the doctor says cancer and when all hell comes against you and you realize this ain't a drill, then you know exactly what to do. You are battle tested. You are ready and prepared for the moment. You have been prepared. Now, some of us are saying, well, I, did, I don't feel prepared. Listen, prepared don't mean that you saw it coming. 
Prepared don't mean that you know exactly how to deal with everything that comes your way. It doesn't mean that it doesn't floor us and catch us off guard. But it means that we don't get up and run away defeated. You're prepared to fight. You're prepared to stand your ground. It means you're trained and you're prepared and you're equipped. It means we've seen God move before so we know God will move again. It means that the Holy Spirit begins to recall in our ears all the sermons we've been hearing. All the supernatural, all the healings, all the faith, all the overcoming. And he begins to replay that through our mind. He begins to replay it in our heart. And suddenly it's like you look back and you realize you've been in training all your life. You've been in boot camp. And now the battle is upon you. Now, I understand we ain't just going to face one battle. You may come to that realization a hundred times in your life. And here we are again. But I'm ready. Here we are again, but I'm prepared. I know how to fight. Our faith is tried and our faith is prepared. And when Goliath walks out in your valley. And the whole world shakes in fear and they won't come out of their tent and they won't go down and face it. And, they, and they're shaking and quaking and depressed because they've received a death sentence. Then because of your preparation, you walk down into that valley with thus saith the Lord. And you walk down into that valley and you can point at that giant and you can say, on this day, the whole world will know that my God's a healer. On this day, the whole world will know that my God's a deliverer. On this day, the whole world will know that he has prepared a way to take this little bride and rapture us out of here. On this day, because I've come through the battles. David would say as he spoke to Saul in 1 Samuel 17, 34. It says, and David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out from his mouth. And when he arose against me, I called him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said moreover the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion. And out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David go and the Lord be with thee. Listen David wasn't happy about the lion. He wasn't happy about the bear. And he didn't look at it with joy. It was a trial that came his way in the line of duty. But because he had stood the test. And God had showed up for him that time. He knew God's going to show up for me this time. God made a path through the lion. God made the path through the bear. God's going to make a path through Goliath. And that's where we stand today. Maybe you got cancer hanging over you. Maybe all your kids have gone. Maybe you got sickness and health. And you're struggling. And am I saved to this? Listen he's going to make a path for you. He's already done it before. You can look back and go yep yep I made it yep I made it yep I overcame I don't know how I got through that you know how you got through that one the Lord went before you the Lord prepared the way and it's the same Lord that's here today and he's going to prepare the way and go before you and you're going to come out victorious in this situation this morning God has guided your steps and brought you through situation after situation and this hurt and this battle and that service Oh, and I remember that sermon and that song and that word of encouragement. And it's all been to prepare you for this victory. All things work together for good to them that love God. You know, I like to think about the fact that not only does he prepare my victories, but in so doing, it means he also is preparing the defeat of the enemy. He prepares my victories, but he prepares his defeats. You know, I think about it as he sat there and he laid out... The earth the first time and he knew exactly what was going to happen and how Moses was going to lead and how Moses was going to come there. And he said, that's a 
Good spot for a C. I'm going to put a red C right there. What are you preparing? I'm preparing Pharaoh's defeat. I'm preparing to lead him there. And it's going to look like all hell's against him. It's going to look like there's nowhere for him to turn. It's going to look like there's nowhere for him to go. But I am preparing for Pharaoh to be defeated. Listen, all hell has come against us here in Laodicea. But it's not for your defeat. He's not only planning your rapture. He's not only planning your body change. But he's planning the defeat of the enemy. And he's saying, come on in. You got them trapped. Come on in. You got them trapped. Matter of fact, let all the devils out of the river Euphrates. Y'all come on too. Y'all come on down here and destroy the children of God. But when he gets them here, it's not for our defeat. And it's not only for our victory. But it is for their destruction. We have reached a time where the destruction of the enemy is prepared. He don't just prepare our victories. He prepares things for the devil. The lake of fire, that ain't for you. That's prepared for the devil. It's prepared for that tormenting spirit. It's prepared where the devil and his angels will spend thousands of years. I'm going to try to begin to wrap this up. He loves to prepare. He loves to allow this to line up with this. And this encounter leads you here. And this job leads you here. And you think it's just going through life. And God's connecting dots. And he's preparing things. And this job didn't work out. But it created this situation. And it moved you here. And the whole time. He's leading. He's guiding. He's going before you. He's preparing the way. Because he's gone to prepare a place. And he's determined you're going to get there. He's determined you're going to make it. He knew exactly, like, like I said, the path that Israel would take. He knows exactly the path that you're on this morning. He knows exactly the road that you're on. He knows the ways you're going to take. And he's making sure that along the way, you have exactly what it is you need to overcome. Look, life may have you down right now. It gets us all down. I don't stand up here and try to act like we're some kind of superman that don't get down. <sighs> Too much. I get down on myself for getting down. What are you doing? What do you got to be down about? Life gets us down sometimes. Sometimes you're facing insurmountable odds. And and you may be completely surrounded by the enemy. And in that moment when you're completely stressed out. And you don't know what to do. And God's looking at it going. Got him right where we want him. This is exactly where I was leading. This is where I was bringing him. This is perfect. And you're going. What? What, what am I going to do in this situation? And, and God says, I've been preparing for this. Listen, I was thinking about this yesterday and all of a sudden, this little story came into my head. I was telling Lydia about it. She said, where'd you get that story? I said, my mind. I just, just all of a sudden, I had this story. So this is fiction. But it has a purpose. There was a donkey. I hope this don't put them to sleep like a bedtime story. But there was a donkey. It was a good donkey. I didn't name the donkey. Because donkey dies. I just want to tell you all that. I didn't want to get attached to it. So. There was a donkey. Back in the day. Biblical days. Old Testament days. And this donkey had worked for years and years and years for this family. And this donkey had carried its owners thousands of times wherever they needed to go. 
And this donkey had carried thousands of loads in the field and had worked. What are you talking about? The orchestrating things. Orchestrating things. Because there's things going on in other people's lives right now that are part of your life and you have no control over it. But God's bringing that circle into your circle and bringing it all together for a moment. And one day, that donkey got old. And he couldn't carry people no more. He couldn't carry loads no more. But they loved the donkey. They wasn't just going to kill the donkey. They couldn't do it. They didn't have the heart. But they couldn't afford to feed it no more. Because back in them days, you had to pull your weight. So they couldn't give food to the donkey. They took the donkey out to a place that looked real pretty. Had a lot of grazing pastures. They said, he, he, he live out his years here. He may not last too much longer anyway. We just can't kill him. So, so they turned him out. And God's watching the whole time going. Yeah, that's exactly where I wanted him to turn that donkey loose. Matter of fact, God's hand had been in it from the very beginning. He moved on the heart of the lender 15 years before to give the man the loan so he could buy the donkey so the man would own a donkey in this area. And God was orchestrating it the whole time. And now over the course of a few weeks or months, the monkey got sick. Did I say monkey? <laughs> it's a magic story. Y'all bear with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they could no longer ride the monkey, so... This is not supposed to be comedy. I'm going to bring it back in. The donkey. The donkey got sick. The donkey laid down in the field and the donkey died. Right where God intended it to die. What's that got to do with my life? What's that got to do with anything? It's, it's, it's a stupid donkey. But God goes, yep, that's exactly where I needed that donkey. And he had led those people to turn it loose. So that donkey would be right there. And then over the course of time, nature began to take its course. And animals came and ate some of the flesh and did this. To where there wasn't nothing left but some donkey bones. There was a man named Samson. And Samson's just going about his life. And he thinks all's against him. And he don't know, why am I in this spot, God? Why have you brought me here? This is the worst place to fight a battle. And suddenly I'm surrounded by a thousand of the enemy. What am I doing right here? And God says, got him right where I want him. I've already provided the answer for you. And just as the enemy's closing down, he looks down and there, there, there's the jawbone of a donkey. What can I do with that? I don't know, but it's been provided for you. So why don't you pick it up this morning? So he reaches down and he picks up the jawbone of this donkey. And he goes to swinging. And he goes to fighting. And he goes to killing. And he goes to destroying. I say you're surrounded this morning. Why don't you look down and go, oh, what? Hey. There's Hebrews 13, 8. There's Hebrews 13, 8. And go to swinging it this morning. Oh, there's, by his stripes, I'm healed. Pick it up and go to fighting. How'd that get there? It was put there. It was prepared for you. It was your moment. He orchestrated all of it. Why don't you just look down and pick up some of the word today? Pick it up. Mark 16 in action. I'm about to put it in action. Take that jawbone and fight and fight and drive back your enemy. He orchestrates everything. He has prepared it all. Even where the donkey would die. Why is it going the way it's going? And I am closing, but you can have your seats just for a minute. Because God is preparing the way. 
Why don't you pick up what he's provided for you? Why don't you pick up what he has prepared for you and begin to use it? Begin to fight with it. Begin to go to war. What are we talking about? Preparations. Preparations. Luke 1 17 says, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God always prepares the people. Before Jesus came upon the earth, God sent John to prepare the way. Come on, you know where we're going. God knew what each age would face and he knew what each age had need of. And so he prepared an anointing for each age. You had the lion, you had the the ox, you had the man, you had the eagle. An anointing prepared for you. An anointing prepared for this age. And I'm going to go fast through this. God knew that the church would fall away into darkness. And he began to make preparations for a restoration. And he said, I will restore. And I love this about God because he asked while he's here on the earth in Luke 18. He says, nevertheless, when the son of man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And he asked that. And yet. Already in the word, he's already provided. He's over here going, when I come back, am I going to find faith? And yet written over here in Malachi, he's going to send Elijah to make sure That the faith is here that he's looking for when he comes. He's already preparing the faith that you're going to need. The word had already spoken Malachi 4 what was going to happen. So like I said, as we begin to come down, he doesn't just send you out towards the promised land without a God. He doesn't just send you off without preparing the way and says, good luck. Listen, he brought you out and he's going to bring you in. And that's all we need to know. And we don't know about everything we're going to face between here and there. Listen, Moses didn't know they was going to about starve to death and not have water. And, not, and there was going to be a Red Sea and there was going to be serpents. He didn't know any of that. But God had already prepared for it. You don't know about tomorrow. God's already prepared for it. He goes before you. Do you know what that means? He's already in your tomorrow. He's already beyond your tomorrow preparing the way. I don't know what's going to happen between now and the rapture, but I know he's prepared the way. I know that it's going to be okay. God has prepared for all of it. So when he comes and he promises a rapture, when he promises a body change, and when he says, I go to prepare a place, then he prepares everything to make sure that you make it there. He provides the faith. He provides the strength. He prepares the way. He prepares the people. So in this day, he goes about preparing a people to receive all that he has prepared for them. Listen, the church couldn't receive a rapture in the shape it was in. The church had, had, had liens against it and false titles and claims and all kind of things that it was operating under. It was full of doubt and belief and God was a God of yesterday and, and man's ideas ruled over the whole thing. And so God had to prepare you. And Brother Branham says, the end time message is to get the bride ready and prepared for the rapture. What can it do? 
According to Malachi 4, it's to bring them back to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Bring them back to the faith of the fathers. The Pentecostal part in the restoration time. I will restore, saith the Lord. That's real end time evangelism. He wasn't going to get us all the way down to the very end. And not be prepared. Think about it. The heart of it all. The purpose of it all. I will have a bride. I will have a people. And he determined they will be prepared. He's not going to let you miss it. Evening Light Tabernacle. Just like he wouldn't let Sarah miss it. She was in no condition to receive the promised son. But he said, she's the one I've chosen. But you don't understand the situation. You're the one he's chosen. But I've had a bet. You're the one he's chosen. But you don't understand where I've fallen short. And I, I know, but I, I get that. But you're the one he's chosen. So he's not going to let you miss it. So he sent a message to prepare you. So that you wouldn't miss it, but you would be prepared to receive the things that he has prepared for you. He's made preparations. Sarah's attitude wasn't right. What have we talked about? Get ready to receive your miracle. She had to be ready. The prophet of God says the church now, Abraham's seed, waiting for the coming son. And now what's he done? He's brought you through every one of those elements just like he did Abraham with the confirmation of the covenant. He's given you the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. All these different things like he promised and now brought you right up, set his Spirit upon you, given you divine discernment just before to prepare you for the coming son. He made sure she didn't miss it. And he's making sure that you don't miss it. And he's gone to great lengths in this day under the ministry of Malachi 4. He's gone to great lengths to make sure that we're prepared for what's coming. That we're prepared, that we don't miss it. Look, Satan had it all scrupled up. He had the church here and the church there. And God made preparations to turn a people's heart. He made preparations to have a people back, turn back to the supernatural. He made preparations to have a people in rapture condition. Yes, we preach the dynamics. Yes, we preach the supernatural. Yes, we preach the move of the spirit. Yes, we preach miracles. Yes, we preach the right mental, mental attitude. Why? Because I want you ready to receive your miracle. What miracle? The change of your bodies. The rapture. The marriage supper of the lamb. I don't want you to miss it. He don't want you to miss it. And so we're preparing. We're pouring it in. Prepare for the supernatural. Prepare for the rapture. Prepare for the coming of the Lord. We're preparing for our miracle. There's got to be somebody that's prepared to step into a new body. You better believe it's the season of miracles. You better believe it's the season of the supernatural. Because the most supernatural event that's ever happened is still yet to happen. And we got to have faith to receive it. So yes, we build up the supernatural. Yes, we build up the miraculous. Because it's bride time. It's rapture time. It's prodigals coming home time. It's miracle time. That's what time it is. And God has prepared a way. And he sent a message to turn our hearts back to the faith. So that we wouldn't be caught unprepared. Listen to what he says. He says, John was the sign because he was the prophet that Messiah was at hand. Now we find John the sign that Jesus was coming. We know that when God speaks and says these things, it's got to happen. You believe that? Now, the sign of preparation John was. He was to be a sign of preparation. 
Do you believe that he was the sign of preparation? Well, then, if he come then in a sign of preparation, he's coming again in the sign of preparation. It's a message of preparation. God preparing your hearts. And Brother Brown says the prophet upon whom the spirit of Elijah will fall will prepare the children to welcome back Jesus. He's done his part. Now we have to do ours. It was a wicked servant in Luke 12, 47 that hadn't made preparations. And so when the owner came back and found that he had not prepared, he received lashes and was beaten. Because he had failed to prepare. He is coming, evening like tabernacle. And he has done everything to prepare the way. But there's a part you have to play. Because the scripture says the bride hath made herself ready. And so what Brother Brown does, he goes in that. I won't, I won't read all the quotes. But he says, God has prepared the way. And he's provided all the material. He's prepared all the material for the bride to make herself ready with. But you got to put it on. You got to put faith in action. You got to been prepared for your miracle. You got to put the word in action. He's prepared a way. And he hasn't just prepared a way to nothing. He's prepared a way to a place. He prepared it all. And now, listen, you don't even got to plan the wedding. Some of you girls are like, oh, no. Mm -mm. I'm no, you don't get to plan this wedding. You don't even get to pick out your dress. Listen, Jesus ain't having a bridezilla. I didn't want golden candlesticks. I wanted this many candlesticks and I wanted this and I wanted to trim my hair and I wanted to paint up like this and I wanted to wear shorts and I wanted to act like this. There's a place prepared for them too. But to those who have received the message of preparation and their only goal is, Lord, I want to be prepared when you come. He says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, and it hasn't even entered into the thoughts and the hearts of man what I have gone to prepare for you. So let the trumpet sound once again. I will continue to preach the supernatural because we will be prepared. I will continue to preach divine healing because we will be prepared. I will continue to preach that prodigals are coming home because there's some that's going to fill these pews in this church. I'm going to continue to preach they shall lay hands on the sick. We'll keep having prayer lines. We'll keep having altar calls. We'll keep seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost because this is a message of preparation. And he has prepared the way, but I'm putting on the garment. I'm getting dressed. If the word says it, I'm putting it on. Yes, Lord, I'll wear it. I don't care. Maybe it don't fit. That's a me problem. I got to get it on. I got to change me. I got to be ready. I got to be prepared. And he sent a message of preparation and said, you're not going to miss it. Will you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Prepared people. A God who makes preparations. A prepared people are focused on leaving. Listen, let others lay down the supernatural. Let others downplay it. Brother Brown says, look, he didn't even pay any attention to nothing. He just let them go ahead and let them explain away the supernatural. Lay down their burdens. And they had other things to do. They had brick kills to tend to. Slime kills to tend to. They had things to do. Please, to please Pharaoh, all of the supernatural was gone. But one day, God knew that he had to prepare that people 
for a march. I'm being prepared for a march. I'm being prepared to leave here. I'm being prepared to take a trip. I'm getting out of this place. I'm not saying I'm not preparing to stay. He's prepared me. He's made all the provisions. He knows the roads and he's provided a way. There's a bride ready. There's a church ready full of the dynamic power. And I had one more quote that I wanted to read. You worried about making it? You worried about your healing? He's been preparing for this for all eternity. Oh, for, for the bride? It, yes, no, for you. Brother Brown says, just as other seed, the word of God is a seed that must have the ground prepared beforehand. If you sowed seed, you just throwed it out there on the ground, it would do no good. The birds would pick it up. You throw it among the thistles and the thorns, it'll choke out pretty soon. Jesus' parable said so. So the ground has to be made ready first. So God in sovereign grace prepares the heart first. He prepared you before the foundation of the world to receive him in this age. He foreknew you by his foreknowledge and ordained you to eternal life. He knew you, therefore he prepared you. Are you prepared this morning? Have you received the message of preparation? Listen, he's made a way for you. If you've struggled and you've slidden back, there's a way prepared this morning. If you're battling things, there's a way prepared. If you're sick, there's a way prepared. And it's all been prepared from before the foundation of the world. Why don't you look down, pick up what's available to you, and let's prepare to leave this whole place. Let's prepare to fly. Let's prepare to go. Brother Andrew, you want to help me? Y'all know I can't sing, but if you'll sing real loud and drown me out. This has been welling up in me. I'm prepared to leave. You prepared to leave? Well, I'm going to take a trip in that good old gospel ship. Well, I'm going far beyond the sky.
shout Well, I've been getting in on this end time pouring out Get rid of your tradition, lay aside all your doubt Get closer to the spot where the glory's coming
Oh, hallelujah, anyhow. Oh, I won't let the devil get me down. ready to take a trip on the good gospel ship. Amen. Amen. Certainly enjoyed the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. Remember the service on Wednesday night. Also have a church age study on Friday night at six o'clock. Amen. So lots to be expecting. Amen. Amen. But I'm expecting that good old gospel ship just to take me home. Amen. I love Wednesday night service and I love Friday night church age studies, but amen. I'm just ready. Amen. Amen. We have a sisters, if you could meet after the service today for a meeting about all the meetings that may happen if we don't come, go home. Amen. But amen. If the sisters can stay after. Amen. We appreciate that. Let's just sing this song that we sang the chorus earlier. All my life you have been faithful. Amen. Let's sing that as we go. In all my life you have been faithful. Oh, my life. 